Howdy do and howdy day and welcome to another episode of In The Area Podcast. Today, I interview Charlie Barnes. We get, we don't, I'm not going to talk about it. You're going to have to listen. In The Area Podcast is a podcast where you interview people with the coronavirus and you try to get it. That's so out of line. It's a game. This is all a game. It's a simulation, right? This, look, listen, folks, I've been, this is a lot of time indoors for me. And I live in a single. I'm sitting here in my living room, looking out my window. There's something on the TV. Um, I got a little rice in the, in the rice cooker. And uh, I'm figuring it out. I'm getting into some deep holes on YouTube. I'm, I'm finding videos I had no idea. I'll leave it at that. Without further ado, enjoy today's episode in the area podcast. I think the first big moment that I remember us having together is uh being on the big log right in, in front of the right in front of the lodge. Okay. Uh, taking care of the what being on the welcome committee. Oh, the welcome committee. <laughs> I just love I, I even use that uh <laughs> To to help get that job at uh, the, the Sebastian, Sebastian yeah, at a hotel? yeah, yeah. I told yeah. the I told the story during my interview. Oh you know, the welcoming committee. How there, did you tell it? How, what is the story? Oh, I forget. She, I, I forget what the question was that prompted me. It, but you know, like how are you? How are you interacting? You know, with new faces coming in, everything like that. And it's just like, oh well, you know, I remember this one day where where I was working during the summer. You know, obviously like working with kids, working with parents. Uh, having a smile on your face no matter what. And there was just one day we just sat up there with a pot of coffee and we just welcomed everyone onto the island. Same, you know, situation as, <laughs> as just being at a front desk. You greet everyone in, you kind of give them the whole rundown of what's going on and, and then you kind of point them in the right direction. And it's just that constant flow of people coming oh in and, and you sending them out. That's hilarious though, because it was you, Andrew Flynn and I. And I remember before we decided to create this welcome committee, we got together and we were like, what is one thing that we can do that we can get out of all the work yeah. for the day? And we like, can we, can we just sit on this log? How, how long do you think we can sit on this, sit log, this log until someone tells us to get yeah, up and we have go, to leave. go do something? Right. <laughs> and then people kind of kept coming up to us. It's like, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, we're, we're the welcome committee. Yeah, we're the welcoming committee. Yeah, and they're we, like, all had, I, we all had name tags on with different, our certifications. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> a, a whole laundry list of, yeah. Uh, yeah what we're doing, where we were working. Wilderness first responder from St. Louis. Yeah, uh, trip head, intermediate <laughs> camp, um, wilderness, and you know, like yeah. whatever class you were teaching as well. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think I think we got out of doing work that entire day, which was oh, pretty yeah. nice as well. And the, the, the name of that game was Delegate. Oh, absolutely. Someone else came up. Hey, you know, JR wants you to go over here and do this right now. We're just passing the information along. And then, you know, they would go <laughs> off and, and do the task we were assigned. <laughs> it was pretty fun yeah pretty hilarious yeah but since then you've been on uh numerous uh Knowles trips right or at least one long one i i did one three month long Knowles course um i guess in in uh the spring of 2015 i took a semester off of school and, and i did a three-month trip which was awesome yeah. can you can you talk a little bit about that trip yeah so so we did uh 14 days of backcountry skiing followed by 30 days in the canyons, uh, 17 days down the Green River, a uh, mixture of canoeing, kayaking, and uh, being on a, a big ore boat, um, and then another 17 days of climbing. Um, and there was kind of little two, three-day gaps in between the trips. But, I mean, as soon as we got there, we got 
certified for uh, wilderness first aid. And then they just kind of sent us on our way. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Did you um, elect to do this exp- uh, experience? Like, is this something you wanted to do? Yeah, I was, uh, it was in my sophomore year of college, living in the fraternity house. And I was kind of losing my mind a little bit. And I was, you know, like, I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to SMU. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life right now. Like, and then I had a friend who did a Knowles course too and loved it. Um, so I told my parents, I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to go back to school or what I want to do. And they're like, well, you have to do something. And then I thought of the Knowles course and the pieces just kind of fell into place. And, and there was a spot open for me. I applied, got in and like within you know, a month and a half, suddenly I was enrolled in the snows course, preparing for it, and then just out there. Wow. Yeah. And what do you think about, what is it about going outside and, and doing doing stuff like this that really excites you? You know, I think it's it's just a refreshing experience. I, I always say it's good for my soul to, like, get back out there. and Because we grew up going to this camp. Um, I mean, I guess you've been there. This was your first summer off in, in how many years? I mean probably four years i had missed two summers overall okay since i started going yeah i mean growing up there i, I was a camper there for seven years doing these trips and then i forgot i, I left for a stupid reason you know be in high school and, and party with my friends or, or chase girls or do whatever uh and then after this whole experience or after you know applying to Knowles and, and finding out how much my friend loved it i was like oh yeah i love doing this stuff and i got back out there and it kind of reignited that spark in me to to get out there, be outside, go on these long trips and excursions and, and really just take in nature. Wow. Um, and the first part of the trip was going down the Green River? No, so it was backcountry skiing. So we got there in, I want to say late January. We spent a week getting certified for wilderness first responder. And got, then we got went, where? Um, uh, Lander, Wyoming. That's, oh. that's where we were kind of based out okay. of. Um, and then we got on the mountain. Uh, of, you know, a week after being there. And then we just started, you know, a 14 day backcountry skiing trip, which was something, an experience I've never done before. I'd never really been backcountry skiing. I kind of skied growing up as a kid, but you know, it had been a long time off and it was, it was hard. I would, I would say that was my most difficult section, you know, being wow. out there camping in the winter, camping in the cold. Cause I mean, 14, I did a 14 day canoe trip, I guess four times before that, um, being an intermediate twice. Uh, so I had that experience being out there for 14 days, but this was just the longest one because you're cold, you're always hungry, you know, you're moving a lot. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of things I wasn't very familiar with. So it got me out of my comfort zone right away. And I think it was great because then after that, the rest of the trips were kind of a breeze. You know, I had that one freak out moment. I think on the first day we were like, we got right off the highway and we started like skiing up this little, little hill, skinning up it. And like, everyone is just, eating it in the snow left and right. Like I'm like, I keep falling over. I'm like trying to dig myself out and I'm just digging myself deeper into this hole. I'm like, what, what am I doing out here, man? But then, you know, you, you get out there and you get a little bit more comfortable. And then by the end of the trip that those 14 days, you, you don't want to leave again. You know, you're, you're right back where you want to be. Oh man. Yeah. Where were you guys sleeping? So we started, we would do, um, we would skin to a spot for the first two days and then we would kind of dig a pit and set this rain tarp up above us um, and then have these, you know, foam pads on the ground to separate us from the snow. And that was like the first few days. I think day three, we started, we went to a spot and we started making a quaglu, which is where you, you pile snow on top of each other, 
then you aerate this mound and then one person digs down from the top. The other person kind of digs down from the bottom and meets you in the center. And then you, you carve it all out. And the idea behind it is it insulates you at 32 degrees versus having the wind and the cold and all that because you're trapped inside the snow more or less. Mm. So we dug that out and then it, it took us a, like a day and a half to build. And then we would, we did that twice. And then we would base camp there for like two or three days while we were backcountry skiing around the area. And yeah, it was great. It, it took you guys a day and a half to build that thing? Yeah, we, we built a couple of them. So I think we had like three or four people in each one. And none of us had any idea what we were doing too. You know, the instructors were, were guiding us along this process. So it was, you know, it takes a while to mound all this snow together and then to dig it out and make sure it's secure and safe and, and all that. Would it be comfortable in those spots? Yeah, it was It was much better than the tent because it was just warmer, you know? Mm. And you're kind of trapped in this little, you made this little cave for yourself, which was kind of cool. And then you're all in it together. And it's, oh. yeah, it's just a blast. And then, so 17 days of backcountry skiing. 14, yeah. So 14 that, days. that was their shortest section, um, but it was a blast, yeah. And then where would you, end, like, where did you end? So we were in um, Wind River Range. I forget where exactly. Yeah. But I think we just did a big loop, you okay. know, so it, it wasn't uh, point A to point B. We were kind of just picking where we wanted to go each day, knowing that we would end back up at the same spot to get picked up and shuttled back to Lander. Okay. And then you're, it's the, the same group of people. You guys get on a shuttle together. Is it a mixture of guys and girls or? So normally, yes. Ours was all guys, which was a little strange, but that's, you know, just, just how it played out. Um, were you, is that what you wanted? I was fine with it. You know, I, uh, just being going to Cooch, it was no different for me being with all guys than any other Cooch trip. So it was like the same type of dynamic, but I heard from our instructors, we had a couple of female instructors who, who were great. Um, but they were just telling us, you know, we, we really lucked out on the group dynamic cause we all got along great together. And they said, they've seen a lot of groups who, who have very poor group dynamic and, and it's, it's a rough trip for everyone. Do they randomly put these trips together? Yeah, it's just luck of the draw. So I think there was two or three, um, I think it was like spring Rocky Mountain trip or whatever it was. So there was two or three groups, um, you know, within the entire class. And then you would just stick with the same group for for all four trips. And this is Knowles, right? National yeah. Outdoor Leadership School? Yeah, correct. Why did you choose that organization? Because there's a, there's a few others like Outward Bound. Yeah, absolutely. Similar trips. So they they do offer college credit um, for some of their trips. I mean, very you know, intro level stuff. So that interested me to it. And then I also had a friend who did, um, I think he did a semester out in India, mostly backpacking, and he really loved it. And he was the one who kind of inspired me to do it. Wow. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. All right. So where? So what's the second phase of that trip? Second phase is uh, backpacking uh, in the canyons. So we got out to the canyons. We spent. Where, like, what are the can? Where, what canyons? Uh, so I'm not I'm not too familiar with Utah, but it was um, I want to say it was by Arches National oh, Park. Cool. Yeah, so around that area, um, kind of southeastern Utah. Um, yeah, and we spent 30 days out there. We did two resupplies, and uh, it was a blast, man. That was the first time I ever been out in the canyons, and it was it was the coolest you know, experience I've ever had. What a, what a change too, from skiing. Yeah. Skiing. And I mean, it's still cold out there, but I mean, it's, you know, it also gets hot during the days, you know, you you have these range of temperatures that you're kind of battling, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely gorgeous. There's a lot of, you know, history out there. There's a lot of nature out there. It's an entirely different landscape than anything I've ever seen before. And, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed backpacking too. It's a really nice, it's, you know, 
same thing as as paddling you know you just get into these grooves where it's just you know you're just walking and you just keep walking and your thoughts are just all over the place mm-hmm. wandering but it's it's really uh really relaxing and and you have a lot of deep intellectual thoughts out there at least wow. i did yeah that was a big thing uh on my canoe trip i was really I think I occupied every time paddling. I was always thinking about something. And I talked to Axel a little bit about this on his podcast. Yeah. Do you feel like you ever, when you were walking or when you were hiking up on the backcountry skis, just like just totally present, not thinking about anything? Or do you think you were always thinking about something? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there are times too when I'm paddling. I'm just kind of like zoned out, taking everything in. And I mean, I still have some background thoughts going on, but it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty present just trying to observe as much as I can. Mm. But I don't know. It's, it kind of goes into medi- meditation a little bit, uh, which I've never really done, but that's, that's always something that's interested me, yoga and meditation. But I feel like if you had those, those two combined, you know, if you had a strong background of, of yoga and meditation and then these, these trips, you could really find being out there in the present, a, a super attainable thing to do. Wow. Um, and you said, like, what kind of thoughts are you having usually? I mean, I was going through, uh, uh, I was thinking a lot about school and where I wanted to be in my life and, and all the things I want to do. I did keep a journal. It wasn't that thorough. I, I think it would be a great thing to go back and, and read, though. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think they were, I was young at the time. I think I was 19 years old, turning 20 in April. I think I turned 20 on the trip. And you're 24 now. 24 now, yeah. Um, and uh, I know, I mean, I, I'm still young, but back then, it, you know, it, it seems like a long time ago and I was super young. And I don't know, I think it would be funny to go back and read those thoughts because I'm sure they were so minuscule and, you know, non-relevant. But, you know, it was, it was great for me to kind of like play everything out in my head of, of future school. I, I wish I kind of wrote like a five-year plan there because I'm, I'm curious where uh, I yeah, thought. Where, where you yeah. thought you were going to be going. Yeah, you know, because um, I was definitely thinking about things like that. I, I'd really like to envision in my head how scenarios play out. Um, and I kind of get on these tracks of like, all right, well, let's follow. If I went down this path, like let's see where I would theoretically end up or if I went down this path and, and I, right. I really like playing those scenarios out in my head. And you majored in computer science correct. At, at SMU, correct? Yeah. So do you think that your computer science background influenced this kind of logical process of like, okay, here's if this, then that, and all these like hypotheticals or it was, has this thinking been something you've been doing forever? I think this thinking is something I've really been doing forever. Um, it's, I think that's why I chose computer science was just because I like thinking like that. And I was doing computer science and I, I kind of already had the thought process down, which I feel like is, uh, the hardest start to computer science for a lot of people. I, I helped some of my friends with it. And I feel like that was the the big curve to get them over is, is just the thought process of like what you're doing up here really affects how everything down here plays out. Um, so I think that's initially why I chose computer science. And then I actually didn't choose computer science. So I got back from Knowles. I decided mm. I wanted to go back to SMU. I, I figured out, I, I thought I wanted to pursue computer science. I came back that summer, did summer classes, and then started up the computer science major that following, uh, semester that fall. Mm. Is computer science, was it something that was speaking to you like w- during your experience there? Um, no, not necessarily. I think how I, how I honestly ended up there is I started SMU as a mechanical engineering major, um, quickly realized I, I didn't like 
physics and you know i wasn't doing great in some of my classes and uh there was one intro to computer science class that i really enjoyed and i did well in so i i got back from this trip and i was trying to figure out you know i'm already in the engineering school with some of these credits you know a computer science is is something i found interesting and that would be an easy pivot for me to go off and pursue that major over mechanical engineering mm. And were you thinking of careers down the line or, or were you just thinking this is what's immediately interesting? I think I was thinking this is what is immediately interesting. I, I don't think I was thinking necessarily careers at that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think I was thinking, how do I get through school and, and what's something that interests me? Yeah. Were you getting any pressure from your parents to pursue a certain major? No, none at all. I think they were, they were very supportive of whichever path I was going to choose, you know? Yeah which is nice. I, I know some people do get a lot of pressure and um, I think they were very, you know, supportive and, and just wanted me to do what was best for me, which I'm, I'm very grateful of. What would your advice be to, to like a senior in high school about to go into college? I don't know. I, so my aunt actually asked me that question a while back for, for one of my cousins who was just starting off school. And I forget, I think I gave him some terrible advice. I don't know. I was a little, I was, I was still in school and I yeah. was like, I think I was still a little, you know, bitter about school and just like, you know, I just want to get through this this whole process. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's try everything out. Find what interests you. You don't necessarily have to worry about the future or any of that, which I always was. And I think that that's mm. what held me back a little bit. But just, you know, take all the classes you find interesting. Find something that's interesting to you and pursue it. You don't necessarily have to, if you graduate with a degree in, in computer science or history, you know, you don't have to pursue those specific paths you can kind of pivot and turn your career into whatever it wants to be did you find that you were getting pressure from other students in school to like you know hey what are you doing after you graduate or like what are you you know oh you yeah doing? big time just because i mean especially in the engineering school it's it's a, a hot topic of conversation it's like well you all are engineers and you know there's so many things you can do and here are all the options you should you know go get internships here are all these job fairs and things like that but the none of that really interests me that much. I was like looking at all the jobs that I, I could be applying to for internships and all that. And, and I really didn't find anything appealing. So I went back actually to summer school the next year and kind of, it was like, what, what am I doing here? I, I don't want to just keep being in school and, and keep pushing through. And then, so after that summer is actually when I reached out to JR and it's like, I, you know, I think I want to come back up to camp. Um, what would be the process like of applying? You know, I did this Knowles trip. I, I fell in love with the outdoors again. You know, how can I get back mm. up here this summer? Wow. Um, and was that like a reset? Yeah, it was great, man. Going back to camp was was easily one of the best decisions I made in my life. Wow. Why is that? I, you know, it's it's hard because we, we do describe camp as like a cult sometimes, which I sure. find pretty funny. But uh it is. I mean, it's it's a community of like-minded people doing things that they're passionate about and that they want to pursue. Plus, you get to do these absolutely amazing canoe trips, backpacking trips, climbing trips, whatever you want to do. There's there's these awesome, amazing trips that you can do out there. And to be able to go back to that community that you love, go on these trips. And then I also really enjoy, too, working working with kids or students. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the trifecta. You get to do everything you want to do and, and be in this place you love. Mm. and in bobby's podcast we talked i asked him what do you think makes camp so special um i don't know if you've listened to that but what i want to ask you it would be interesting to see if you had a different answer what do you think makes camp so special i think it's the community you know i i haven't really 
been, I, you know, you, you grow up, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, your friend groups kind of shift and you're, you're in this community that set camp to me was, it's, was its own different community. You know, we went up there every summer for seven years, my brother and I did. And, uh, for eight weeks for the, the majority of that. So we really developed a, a strong sense of community up there. You go into college too, you have your own community out there and they're all separate in their each ways. But, but up there, I mean, the, the people who go up there and the people who stick around are just, um, think very like-minded, awesome individuals. And when you say like-minded, what do you mean by that? You know, just a, a passion for uh, the outdoors and, you know, the things, I mean, there's, there's, everyone's going to be their own unique individual person up there, which is awesome, but it's just a very accepting environment of, of people who have a passion of being outside, helping others. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a strong sense of of brotherhood almost. And then you you include the girls camp too. And then you have it's like a whole family up there. You know, you have your brothers, your sisters, all that. Um, so it's, I think it's just an awesome place of of people to be around. Mm, I I totally agree. Yeah, with that community piece especially. Yeah. What was I'm curious. I I haven't heard Bobby's podcast yet, but what it, was his? It, it was, his was like two pronged. So he's like the first most important thing is grit. Yeah, that it instills a sense of grit into these people, and through the grit, you develop community. Okay, you develop like these special experiences that together that that form this type type bond, because you can't really explain. It's hard, like you try to explain the experiences of a canoe trip to someone who's never been on one, and they like you know nod their head, and but it's like they don't get it, you know. Yeah, I mean? and we were talking about that a little bit last night. Um, I believe yeah. you know people who who heard about your trip and then they ask you like, what, why are you doing this? You know, it's, they don't have necessarily that experience of, of going out there and yeah. full understanding of, of what it's like to, to be on one of these trips. Yeah. I, I can understand people's uh, hesitance when they hear something like, you know, you're going to spend, you know, this amount of time on, on this canoe trip. Like why, you know, w w what? And uh, if you've never been in the wilderness for an extended period of time or like with a close group of people or trying to overcome obstacles together in a wilderness setting, it's, it's not necessarily obvious all the things that come out of that. But for me, it's just like an, um, it's like a magical experience. There's so much going on all the time with nature. Like there, it's like a, it's a moving theater that's always changing. And then you like, you know, I, I like that way of describing it. Moving theater. <laughs> moving that's theater all. Yeah. I don't know. And then, uh, you know, the bonds that you develop with these people that you're on a trip with is, is like incomparable to anything else I've experienced. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's too, even, you know, the kids develop those bonds with each other. And then even between staff and camper, I mean, take Bobby for an example. He was my cabin counselor, I believe, my second year intermediate. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, you had that one dynamic and then now we're all living out here together. <laughs> it and is, it's that whole dynamic just disappears because those bonds just form so strongly. It is so nuts, man. So I think, yeah, and, and now I want to hear, so you graduated SMU. Yeah. Did you... And what did you do right after you graduated? I went up to camp <laughs> um, just pretty immediately. I knew right. um, at first I wasn't even sure I, I wanted to walk for my graduation. I was like, I'm just going to get my diploma and get out of here. Uh, Cause it took me six years of, of on and off school to, to finally get to this point to graduate. And I was kind of over it. And I was, I was just like, you know, I finished on a really strong note academically. And, and then I was like, you know, I just, I don't have all my friends here that I went to school with. Like, I'm just kind of by myself. Like, is, is there a point to even really walking? 
And then I think I did it for, for my mom and dad, you know, and the people who supported me through school to give them, I know they wanted to see me walk and And then it ended up, I really liked that I did just because it was a good closure and ending school on a really good mm. note for me. Um, so you did it because more for other, for your parents, but you ended up really appreciating that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I knew it meant a lot to them, uh, especially my mom to just, you know, see me close out there and, and end on a really high note. Mm. Um, and then it was great for, for myself too. I, I, it was, it was really nice to, to be up on stage, get my diploma, then check to make sure it's like signed. I'm yeah. ready to go. And it's all there. Um, and then I right. think I drove up to camp like the next day, like just wow. immediately like, all right, I'm out and I'm headed up to camp. Was that, and was that this past summer? Yeah, that was this past summer. And so you move, you're currently living in Vail, Colorado. When, at what point did you decide to move to Vail? I think I, I had the idea for it last fall um, when I was still in school, knowing that you guys had all moved out here. And I knew I always I always said to, uh, um, to previous people in my life, they're like, what do you want to do after you graduate? I was just like, I want to go live in the mountains. Like, I don't know beyond that. I just know that's where I want to be in my life. Um, and then after all you guys moved out here and then I came and visited um, – that New Year's, uh, more or less. And I'm like, oh, this, this place is awesome. This is where I want to be. And then, so as soon as I graduated, I talked to, to Kyle and Joe, um, you guys were on your trip, but I was kind of in communication with you as well. And just like, if everyone's heading back out there like this, you know, this is where I want to be. Awesome, man. Yeah. What, what did it for you? What, what brought you to, to be out here? Not, you know, that, take it was the, something similar. Like I, as a kid, we would come and we'd do ski trips out here. And I always had this mystical view of Colorado and the mountains coming from Houston. It's so flat. And there's, there's have not, you ever, have you ever dr- done the drive from Houston to Colorado? Like drove up here instead of flown as, as no. a kid or anything like that? Um, no, I haven't. It's it's I I did Dallas to Colorado as well. And it's really cool just seeing the scenery change, you wow. know, from that that flat to the mountain, like you were just saying. Oh man, yeah, yeah it's dramatic. Yeah, and uh, I just was like totally in awe of this place, you know, all the aspens and just like wow, this is so cool. So I, I, it was kind of like this like dream idea as a kid. And my senior year of college, um, Bram Bram's parents had a condo out here, and he invited me to come on a little trip. And at the time, you know, uh, John Jessup was living out here. Kyle Jessup was here. Bobby was here. And uh, I just, I, I saw what they were doing with their lives. And I was like, wow, like you guys, you guys seem like you are really f- fulfilled right now. And just like doing awesome things all the time. And uh, yeah, r- leaving after that senior year of college trip, I was like, dude, I want to move to Vail. And it just so happened that John Jessup's, um, well now current fiance. Yeah. Um, but girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, um, you know, there's, I'm going to, there's going to be a position opening up at the Vail mountain school. Are you interested in it? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. So already right there, like it felt like things were falling into, into place my senior year of college. Like I'm going to have a job. I'm going to figure it out. And, uh, yeah, moved out here and it's been like wonderful. It's been it's uh, exceeded any expectations I've had. I mean, I'm just, I think the most important part is this community of people we have for me. Like that really is, is the base that yeah. everything else comes from. Then from that, it's like, well, then we also get to do all these amazing, we have these amazing experiences together. Like that raft trip, 
embodies like one of those opportunities to have an amazing experience. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's so cool how we can just kind of throw that together and then just go out on a raft trip for the weekend and, and come oh, it's back totally and nuts. resume our lives. You know, that's that's experience I never had in in Dallas. Really, there's there's Dude, no opportunity to do that, which is yeah. And just now, it's like you know, with everything going on, people are just like, hey, like I'm going for a walk, want to join? Or hey, I'm going to go snowshoeing and ski down, you want to join? You know, all these there's so many just amazing opportunities right here in our backyard. Yeah. To get outside and just adventure. I love that. Did you have any any goals of, of you know, what you wanted to do when you first initially came out here of, in terms of, like, getting outside? Or did you just knew you came out here knowing that you just wanted to be outside and really embrace the outdoors and everything that Vale has to offer? That's a really good question, uh, Charlie. Um, I think, honestly, like, and I, I tried to come up with, like, a master plan um by the end of college like what what how am i going to orient my life like what do i want to be doing in my 20s and i just i i feel the sense of time right now like a lot of i feel this sense of like i i have a lot of space to pivot and and make changes so i'm just going to take it easy and move to a place where i know i have a strong group of friends and and i know i have access to the to these outdoor experiences and i don't think i really had any like big like outdoor goals I knew last year we we living with Axel and Bram, we had a super competitive like skiing mentality. So last year I was like, it was a goal to like get as many days on the mountain as possible. Yeah. Um, but like other than that, like I you know, I know that you are really you one of your goals I feel like is kayaking, which is awesome because you've just made a move towards really yeah, just realizing that goal. Just made a, a purchase of a kayak uh, on Monday. Um but yeah, I, I don't know what expectations I have into it. I just know I, I really want to throw myself into it and, and, and give it a really good shot and all, all I can give it. And hopefully a, a strong passion develops out of it. I've, I have a strong feeling. I think it will. But uh, I'm really excited to get out on the water. And then after that rafting trip, especially, you know. Do you mind just explaining what that rafting trip was? Yeah, so uh, Zach and I and, and a couple friends um, organized uh, uh, through Kyle Jessup. We went on this rafting trip in Westwater, and it was meant to be a, an overnight excursion. We were going to paddle the first day on Westwater and then camp there and then shoot all the rapids, do everything the second, second day. Um, and then, unfortunately, some things happened, so, so we turned that overnight excursion just kind of into a day trip but yeah it ended up being a lot of fun we had a full full day on the river <laughs> yeah. sunrise to sunset and uh shot some really cool rapids and, and had a blast yes cool and then now but beyond that you've wanted to kayak like that's part of the allure to moving to Vail. is that correct yeah absolutely why, um, why kayaking i really for going back to the knolls um being on the river uh i so we did 17 days down the green river um and i didn't kayak completely for those 17 days but i was trying to get in the kayak uh for as, as many of those days as possible and uh when we started going down rapids um it it became a lot of fun just because mm -hmm. you know going going down rapids in a canoe is a blast too but a kayak i mean you're right down in there you can you can maneuver how you want to and i mean granted i haven't been kayaking down rapids in five years and the experience i had was very limited but i'm curious to you know explore that passion and and uh, become more more knowledgeable and and more experienced and more skilled with it for you how do you contrast like kayaking with canoeing you know i think it's hard just just because i haven't um had that experience in so long for kayaking but 
I mean, it's, you know, canoe, you're, you're going down and it's, it's a two man operation unless you're soloing the boat. You know, there's a lot of communication between the Stearnsman and the Bowman, which is a dynamic I really like on, on this Westwater trip. I was in a, a nine foot raft with Quinn Panair and we established that very early on. If, you know, if we're going to do this successfully, you know, we need to have our communication, just, just be on it and just talk everything out. So that's something I really liked about canoeing, but, but kayaking, you know, you're solo, you're in there. And uh, you're you're really down in there. I mean, you're not raised up off the water like you are in a canoe. You're you're right down in there, and uh, and you you're in these rapids trying to be super maneuverable. And uh, yeah, that's something I just really want to explore. Um, but it's it's also that solo mentality. In high school, I was a wrestler, and that was kind of the the solo mentality there. You know, you're you are on a team, and and even with kayaking, you can say you're on a team if you're out there boating with other people. But then it's kind of up to you to to challenge yourself and perform and and, and achieve the goals that you set for yourself, wow. which is something I really like. Does the adrenaline aspect also appeal to you? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's going down rapids is a lot of fun. I think I think uh, anyone who's done it um, can attest to that. So that's that's definitely something that that I find very very fascinating about too. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's also humbling at times too. I just had my first swim at Westwater too. I mean. I've swam in a canoe before, but popping out of this this raft and, and getting thrown into class three rapids um, was an entirely different swim for me. It kind of humbles you a little bit and, and gives you a lot of uh, respect for the water and the river yeah. and, and what this power from these rapids can really do. Um, yeah. What did you feel like when you got tossed out of that boat? Uh, so it's kind of like just going from a, a bouncy castle to a washing machine. You know, you you just get you you don't have time to process anything. Quinn and I were feeling really good. We teed up this wave, what we thought was perfectly. And then this kind of lateral wave just hit us and, and bounced Quinn into me. Both of us uh, got ejected from the boat just immediately into the rapids. And then, you know, you're trying to, how did we get here? Where's my paddle? Like, is everything okay? Where am I? You know, like all these, you're trying to to figure all this stuff out in your head in like a split second. And then you pop your head out above water and, and you got to figure out how to, you know, where's my boat? How do I get out of here? How do I swim safely over to, to where I need to go? And it's, it's a lot of split second decisions, just back to back to back. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, I, I, I thought it was really good to get that experience of swimming and, and having fun with it. And, um, I was actually talking to uh, a, a mutual friend of Zach and I's, uh, Chase Edgerton the other day. Um, and he even suggested, you know, for kayaking and, and just getting used to water, these bigger waves, he's like, go down a, a set of class three rapids with a boogie board and, and some flippers and, you know, just try to try to swim, catch any wow. lines, surf all this stuff. And so I, that's something I'd be interested in doing as well. You know, wow. um, what would you say is like your outdoor dream? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure yet. You know, I, I just want to, I really enjoy the river. Um, just, you know, growing up canoeing and, you know, being out here and going on that West water and just every time I'm back on the river for the first time, I'm like, wow, I just, I love the water. I love being out here. Um, so I think my outdoor dream is to just keep pursuing things that interest me and, in, and in trying to get better at, at, uh, things I really want to turn into these passions. In mm. And is there, is there a need for like, an, an adventure to fulfill that or can it be like single day excursions like is your dream is it you know you know that's something i i uh have been asking myself a lot lately with uh not going back to camp this summer and then being out here and i've, I've talked to a lot of different people about it um 
And one thing Bobby told me that's interesting, he's like, you know, you get out here and, and you know, you're not doing those extended overnight trips. Like you, you can have a day trip, you can spend all day outside, but at the end of the day, you know, you're not cooking your meal over a fire or sleeping in a tent. You know, you're, you're going home and reheating whatever you made the night before and, and going to bed. Um, and that's something I really do enjoy is these multi-day excursions, like sleeping outside, making a fire, cooking your meal over that fire. Those are skills I, I really am glad that I have and, and uh, things I really love to do. So I, I think it's hard for me, but it all it is also nice just, just getting out there for a full day and just being outside. And I think so long as I'm doing things like that, and I'll, I'll be happy mm. with what I'm doing. And do you feel like you're, you're doing like enough right now? I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I would, I would say no. I, uh, I've had a pretty good ski season this year. I, I wasn't on the mountain as much as I like to be. It's How many all, days did you get? I think I got like 32 before the mountain shut. Sick. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm very happy with, I think yeah. I, I set my goal for like, so long as I got 30 days out there, it's a full month, you know, I'm happy with that. Obviously, you know, we have some friends who are, who are much higher up in the numbers with yeah. days, but I, I just wanted to get out there, get better, have fun. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I could have pushed myself harder to, to get out on the mountain more and, and to become a better skier, but I, I'm very happy with what I did. And I guess we're only, we're just now getting to the beginning of the river season for most spots. Right. I mean, I think people say like the Gore Creek. Gore Creek. Uh, it's, it's, I think that's, that's more towards May. I, I spent, um, like two hours at work the other day because it was, it was pretty slow. Um, Googling, uh, I was on AmericanWhitewater.com and I was looking at like all the rivers in the area and in Colorado and when they generally run and, uh, you know, what classes they are. I think the, the thing that's open right now is from gypsum to dot I think that's the, the main section that's open right now on the Eagle river class two water. Um, so I'm hoping to, to talk to Kyle and get out there. So we'll see. Sick. Yeah. Very nice, man. Yeah. So we'll see, man. I'm I'm just excited for a summer out here. Everyone keeps saying it's amazing, so I'm excited to experience one. Yeah, we'll see how everything plays out. Maybe I'll have my first Colorado summer. I know. Are you Are you nervous about camp and and going back up there? I know nothing's yeah. really said. It's all everything speculation right now. But uh, yeah, I, I am I am a little nervous. I, I mean, I like really want to go up there this yeah. summer. So. I think I, I would be bummed if it, if it got canceled. Um, but obviously, you know, you, we, I have no control over the situation, so I'm just going to adjust as it happens. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it, I, I'd say um, if it doesn't happen, I, I, I'd stay in Colorado and, and, yeah, do some awesome adventures. Maybe even plan – dude, I'd be down to do another Arctic, like, river yeah, get out, Honestly, get out for, I don't, <laughs> for, for a week or two. Or yeah, something like exactly. That. I don't know how feasible that is. It'd probably be really expensive to um, fly in, do or like do a pack boat, and then do like the hood or something. Yeah, like start from like a lot higher up. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> so you already done one Arctic trip. Would would you? It sounds like you're interested. If another opportunity came up to, to oh, yeah. pursue another Arctic trip yeah. like that, maybe not on that scale, but some would you even do that would you do that type of uh scale of trip again i think i would interesting yeah i think i would i just uh it just was like feeling like living deliberately every day yeah and you get that on a canoe trip it just was like for an extended period of time 
So yeah, I, I love that. It's addicting. Even when it's super hard, it's addicting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, and that, and that feeling of, uh, accomplishment at the end felt so good. I want to experience that again. It doesn't have to be, I don't think I need to do an outdoor adventure to feel that again. Okay. But I want to feel that again. And I know some outdoor adventure can bring that. What, if you think it's not an outdoor adventure, um, or there's other routes besides an outdoor adventure to bring that feeling again, what, what do you think those routes are? How do you think you would get mm, to that feeling? Maybe like creating something like, um, like, you know, making like a, a, a creative project, really realizing it's a creative project, really expanding and becoming something, um, in the way that I would like to like see a it. podcast. Yeah. Like a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like a podcast. Um, I, I also had this idea of doing, um, I guess I have this idea of creating like a social space where people come together and it's kind of like in between a bar and a <laughs> cafe. It's super, um, it's super, um, in the beginning phase of the, the idea, yeah. it's just an idea too. I haven't made any moves on that at all. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, cause something I did in college that I, I just like, I knew I knew that it was something I liked to do because I, I I like put a lot of work into it and it didn't feel like work at all. Was um um creating this space called Ghost House where every Thursday, like my roommates and I would host like a performance show, and like the first part would be a live band would come in and that would be like a a student our group of students, they'd come in and they'd perform and then people would like find their seats in our house and we I I lived with a few artists and one of them set up she's. Her name's Julia. She set up like a red tapered sheets that, so that it looked like a curtain yeah. on our wall. And uh, just the whole room had this, and there was artwork from all of all of our different roommates up on the wall. And then eventually other students from the school's artwork on the wall. So it was just this cool space. So you have a live performance in the beginning and then you break out into like a play, an amateur play that um, like I would, I, I would write or I would write with some other students on campus. And then you would like read the script and you'd perform it there. And then students would have an opportunity to perform poetry. And then at the end, we'd end that experience with um, like uh, improv. Comedy. Oh, wow. And, and you, uh, would, you would do this every Thursday? Every though? Thursday. It's called Ghost House Theater Socials. Wow. Yeah. Sounds and like a blast. That was so much fun. I totally like, I, I just, I loved doing that. I loved getting them organized. So I, if I could, um, yeah, and it just it, it it was fun because it it brought like a bunch of different communities together, like people who normally weren't like hanging out were finally like hanging out together at these events, and I was like, whoa, this is like sick. So it kind of built up to that too, right? Initially, it's kind of started out as your your close yeah, friends, close friends, exactly, and, and then it, it expanded it, it, over time. Wow, and to yeah. to an event anyone from from the school could come out to and, exactly. and participate in, exactly. Wow, that's awesome. And I, I want to if I could recreate something like that, you know. I would feel, I, I think, once I reached a milestone that I had set, I would feel maybe feel something close to that feeling again. But, I mean, I think you, that, that feeling comes when you feel like you put a lot of work into something and you really gave it everything you had, and then it just came true. Yeah. So, I, yeah, for me, it was that, that canoe trip. And it could be something like this. Who knows? I, I'm still, like, figuring out exactly what I want to do with my life. I don't know. I mean, you're at you're at a great time to do that too. Uh, you turned 24 today. <laughs> turned 24 today. That's Very right. exciting. Yeah. So you know, you got your whole life Thanks, ahead man. of you. Yeah, man, it's exciting. These are exciting times. Yeah. <sighs> yeah.
How about you? What's your dream? Do you have, like, do you, do you, is there anything that you could map out right now that you think would give you a crazy feeling of just like, I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't thought of it too much. Um, I'm just right now, you know, my big goal for the last six years was, was graduating school. You know, that was, that's been my, my big, uh, accomplishment and now that i'm here you know i want to move out here and, and really give everything a shot so i'm not i'm not looking necessarily too far into the future i'm I'm trying to find a, a career path that i like and enjoy and then i think so long as i'm i'm on that path to uh finding something that i truly enjoy working on or, or people i enjoy working with you know the rest will kind of fall into place and, and become what it becomes man you know a lot of campers listen to this podcast what do you what what advice would you give to like a camper who's listening who's like you know they're still in high school they uh they don't know exactly what the heck's going on yeah um it's a great question i i would say um you know i'd i'd say you're young you have your whole life to figure it out i mean just do things that interest you and and get out of your comfort zone and if you keep doing that, you're going you're gonna to find things that you uh, enjoy that you might not have thought you found enjoyable before. And that's really, I think, what changes for, for people is, you know, if you fall into the same routine, you're, you're doing the same thing, you're not pushing yourself or doing anything like that, it's hard to find fulfillment. But, you know, when you really push yourself and get outside your comfort zone, that's when your eyes kind of open and, and all these other different paths and opportunities start opening up for you. Oh, yeah, that's tremendous advice. What's what's your advice to to all those kids out there? Man, it would be. Hmm. I think for me, um, one big realization I had that in college that I really liked um, was, uh, you know, things just happen very on a very gradual scale. Like, you know, I wanted to see big changes in my life, and I wanted them to happen fast. But that never was the case. No. It never has been the case for me. I don't think it's been the case for, for anyone. You know, you because I I understand that you know you want to make all these changes in yeah. your life for these big changes, and then you don't get results immediately. Right. Like, you know, you start, you're like, why aren't I getting these results? You know? But just it would be to like you know, just keep implementing these small changes in your life, and you might not see the effect in a week, but I promise you, after give it a month or a couple months a year like you like at at that point you're a different person like yeah. you you've uh you've kind of like yeah really you've really modified your life so I, and with that i guess we kind of tie to yours like be patient you know like life is long yeah it's hard too you you think a year and it seems like such a long time to to figure out all that stuff like you know like I want these changes right now because yeah. next year I want to be here and then I want to be here. And right. I mean, it gets back into my thinking of like, I want these changes to happen now. So like from a year from now, I can be up here and, and then just keep going down the line. But if you make those small changes, you know, it's a lot can happen in a year. And those, those big changes that you think are unattainable in a year seem very realistic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's, that's probably, that's what I would, that's the advice I would give right now. Yeah. I like it's, that. Yeah. And it's constantly evolving. I still feel like I'm still very absorbent to advice. I, like you and I are both young. I feel we, we were talking about that last night. Like, yeah. you know, we were talking to our friend Quinn. He's 28. And, uh, you know, Charles 24. I'm 24. And 
like right now at 24, it's, I feel like I can make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I could, I could still like screw up big time and totally start something new. Yeah. Um, and so you I, think you could still do that at, at 28 though? I do. I do. Like <laughs> Quinn was, Quinn was painting it as if like, you know, that's an eight. Well, maybe he's onto something where like the society does expect something different at that yeah, point. Yeah. That's when, that's when you start to feel the external pressure, external pressure. Right. But, but I think you still have time to to pivot and change. I mean, I look at my dad, and he was on a career path for for many many years. He was working for the senator of Missouri, um, and then he uh, quit his job and became a photographer. I think Whoa. in his like forties, you know, just like dude. Completely- I'm remembering, dude. Uh, can you just tell the story of your dad really quickly? <laughs> uh, you shared it with me once. I was like, dang, that that's sick. Yeah. So he, uh, let's see, let's see where to begin. Yeah, so just growing up, I mean, he he grew up in Decatur, Illinois, and and uh, you know did the whole childhood. I went to boarding school uh, when he was in high school, out to University of Vermont, lived in New York. After that, came back to St. Louis, met my mom, got married, and he was kind of on the career path. He jumped around from a lot of different jobs, um, ended up working in politics, and and ended up working for uh, one of the senators of Missouri for I think a. a a number of years, six, seven, eight years, maybe longer than that. Um, really enjoyed it. But then he got to a point in his life where, where he felt that he couldn't grow anymore. You know, he, he reached the top and, and the next step would be to run for office. And then he kind of did a whole reevaluation of life and, and saw a lot of things that he wanted to change. How old was he at that time? Oh, that's, I would say forties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mid, mid forties, maybe I was, I'm trying to think I, yeah. was, I was probably in like eighth grade. Um, uh, yeah, let's call it mid forties. Um, but yeah, so he he saw a lot of things that he wanted to change in his life, and and he saw a career path that he kind of reached the peak of of where he was going to get. Um, and the next higher step was you know running for office or something like that, which he didn't necessarily want to do. Um, so he he kind of pivoted and he did a complete one eighty, and and he found photography, uh, and he knew he had to do something, so he picked it up and he he started doing it and and really put a lot of work into it and then grew that kind of passion and, and interest in photography to uh, a full-time job. And now he runs a modeling agency in, in St. Louis. Um, and he still does photography and he's, he's really turned a, turned a career out of it, which is awesome. And I think that's evidence that you can totally pivot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's 45. I mean, it's hard to do though. You know, it was, I'm, I'm sure that that pivot was very hard. Mm. I mean, to even get to the point to say, you know, I, w- I want to make this change or do something, I think that's the hardest step right there is to to then break the mold of the path you're on right now, do a complete 180 and, and oh enter gosh. in. And that's when you talk about those small changes and being patient, you know, right when he quits his job for the center, he can't he can't say, oh, you know, I want to start a, a modeling agency and do all this. He, he took it step by step, learned more about photography, took classes, you know, started developing his portfolio is just a professional photographer and then slowly grew that into the the business that it is now. Wow. Um, and was your mom supportive the whole time during that process of, yeah, very, very supportive. She was, she was awesome during the entire time. Um, I think we all were, I think it was, uh, I'm not sure. I would, I would love to hear his opinion more on this. If, you know, if he thought he was going to get more backlash than he did or, or more kind of confusion or people maybe weren't so supportive, but, from my perspective, I think uh, uh, he really went for it, and then everyone he kind of told and explained to was was totally on board, and you know, wanted him to to do what he wanted to do. That's awesome, man. 
Yeah. Do you feel like you have learned from that experience or that informs like how you view, you know, what you'll be doing or just like how quickly things need to happen or how, you know, how adept you can be at like a, a midlife change? Yeah, I I think, you know, it's it's definitely uh, uh, inspiration for me. Um, I mean, at the same time, you know, he, he still says, you know, you got to do something. You, you can't just sit around. You got to find something and and pursue it and then, you know, take it to its extent and, and run it out. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily saying that, uh, that this passion is going to come naturally or easy, you know, it's, it still takes work, work and effort in, in putting uh drive and determination into it. Mm. Do you look up, is there one person that you really look up to that you like, like, whoa, like this is someone that, is like a guide to me. Yeah, I, I'd say there's a couple different people. A lot of different people have have uh, in dip- different chapters of my life mm. been definitely a strong role model por- person who could support me um, or just give me feedback and guidance. Um, and you know, it's every stage of my life. I would say there's probably like a different person who's played that role, and then. You know, some of them stick around for longer terms, others just for that chapter. But, you know, you're still really grateful that they were there. Oh, my gosh. Who would you say it is right now? If there is someone and it doesn't need to be. I'm not sure. I would say it's, it's uh, you know, it's just a combination of different people right now. I would say definitely throughout college, it was um, uh, one of my, my academic advisor, actually, Mark Fontenot. Um, he was, he kind of, I came down and I, I think I broke down in front of him a couple of times. Like he saw potential in, in, in me. And then when things weren't going right, he would always kind of address it and say, you know, what's, what's going on, what's wrong. Um, and then really kind of, he, I, I don't think I would have stuck around SMU if it wasn't for him or, or pursued computer science. He was definitely very stern, very strict, but, you know, understanding and caring and wanted you to succeed. And I think that's the type of person I needed to, to push me in my life. And wow. You know, I'm I'm sure uh, you know if he was out there giving this a listen, um, I think he would get it. He might be a little surprised that you know he made that impact, but you know we weren't not an everyday basis. Maybe like a once a once a month, but just like you know touch in and and really just kind of drive me to to do what I needed to do. That's super cool, man. Yeah, I think it's great too out there for for educators. I've had some really awesome educators in my life and some some pretty terrible ones too, but. You definitely um, find some who are good for you, and I think it's amazing what they they can push that student to do. I don't know if you've seen that in your academic world that you're in now. Oh my gosh, um, every day, dude. Yeah, BMS. That's why it's amazing to be in education. You can you see some of these people just make a total impact in in like these moments on the student, and who knows like how long term that impact will last, and like what you know what kind of positive benefits they'll get from these these like you know when they wake up to something or they yeah, know, learn something. It's crazy too. I've talked to a lot of the counselors at camp too. It's like you, as, as a counselor, you say a lot of things, you know, and you don't, you don't know what's going to stick with that kid. And it could just be this one really minuscule thing you said, but it really stuck with that kid and it inspired them. And then, you know, going back up to camp years later, you could tell it to the counselor and they'll be like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I don't remember any of this conversation or, or any of it, but it yeah. sticks with the kid and it's awesome to it's see so it, like that it drives them to, to do it. Ben Wood said something uh, when I was a camper that I always, it, it wasn't like necessarily inspirational, but it made me laugh. And I, 
I brought it up to him like five years after. I was like, dude, you said this, and I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. It was Wakunda, motherfucking they do. <laughs> That's a little saying. Wakunda, they do is a saying from camp, and um, he just put a little twist on it, and I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, yeah, you say these things to kids, and like some things stick, and they last a really long time. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, that's that's why I, I love going back up there too as a counselor. Um, you know, it's it's you you do have an impact on these kids, and it's it's awesome to see them grow on these trips and and achieve things that they prob- probably thought weren't possible. I know as a camper, when I was young, I really really did not like the trips. Um, I think Jessup told me the other day. I don't remember it, but I think on my junior trip, Kyle Jessup. Uh, we like overlapped a year for some reason. We we're on the trip together. He's like, dude, during those during those first days, it was rough for you. He's like, you broke down a couple times. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure I oh, did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just as you you grow more, it's like amazing to see the the progression. The of progression. The, yeah, grow up and and love these trips. And, oh man. Um, did you ever get homesick? I did on. I never did at camp. I did on the trips as a prep, especially. I think on the the trips, I got pretty homesick. Um, How would you deal with that? I don't, I think I just kind of sucked it up for the most part. You know, it's like, what are you going to do about it? Like I, I kind of kept it to myself. Would you cry? I probably did as, yeah. as a prep, you know, I, I imagine I cried. Dude, I was crying up and I mean, I was crying <laughs> as an intermediate. Like, I remember I was, uh, I brought one of my buddies up from uh, my soccer team. <laughs> I, we were on a, we were put on a trip together. I just distinctly remember we were out like we were out on the lake at a campsite, just like throwing sticks in the water, freaking bawling. <laughs> letting I it out. Home. And you, then, yeah, I was like, 13, you think that's 14. good, good or bad to let it out? Oh, dude, I love letting it out. I don't know. Yeah. As long as if, I mean, the only situation where maybe you could bring in a question is if you're a leader, you know, yeah. and you're, um, you know, that doesn't really inspire confidence if you're just like crying in front of the <laughs> But I think as like a But I've know, had I've had kids dude, too I, to I like to let, let it out, dude. Yeah, but I've I've philosophy. also had kids who who've distanced themselves from the group because, you know, they just wanted to to be isolated and, and to just like Oh, you know, grieve or be homesick or that be definitely. Sad. I think that can generally make it worse. Yeah, when you isolate. But if you just have like one time, I guess like you know, as as we were talking about earlier, like chucking the canoe down, letting it yeah. all out, yes, and then just continuing on. You know, you yeah. got you got everything. You flushed it Let out. Let the of you. steam out. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it. Way to way to bring it back, Charlie. Yeah, full, 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 full circle. circle. Yeah, I love that, dude. Yeah, I I I can't. I'm trying to think of the last time I had a really big breakdown. Yeah. Did you have, did you, I'm sure you had some on the trip. Just. Yeah. Like I'm definitely, I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to think of like breakdown, like sobbing. None of that. No. I haven't had one of those in a while, man. Oh, dude. No, I did. No, I did have one. I had a temper tantrum. Oh, you did? I did actually. That was, I guess that was my breakdown. (laughs) I'll, I'll tell you the story. Um, this was like very deep into our, like towards the end of our hide of land section, right before we got onto the Coppermine River. Yeah. And uh, we, we were making like, we didn't have a predetermined route. Like in every day we'd look at the map and be like, okay, we can get from this body of water th- to this body of water. Maybe we could take this little river here, but we were like, you know, choose your own adventure. So we pull up to this one point where we have a decision option a, which is two portages. And then we're into big lake. Or option B is we could 
take what was called the winter river. We could go up river a little bit and, um, it would, it would add some time because we were going out of the direction, but maybe we, we could skip a bunch of portages and just like literally paddle right into big lake. Yeah. So we fly up the drone, we look at it and we only look at this, this like really narrow section on the map that looks like it's probably would be bouldery. And it's like, no, it's not bouldery. It's actually pretty wide and we could paddle that. So drones back down and like, we're like, all right. And then like, I was in the beginning, like very much like, let's just portage, get it over with. Not, not like, let's just do with what we know. And then, but like, eh. then after the drone uh, was flown off, I was like, well, that looked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up going up this winter river and then like, th- like pretty far into it, we get to a, a section of the river that we didn't see on the drone. And it was the wider section on the map where it was like, for sure there was going to be water there. Yeah. It just turned out to be this like two and a half mile like like boulder stream bed, and it was like, and this wasn't like I was our, like our body we were already pretty beat at that point. Yeah, and I was just so frustrated. I was like, man, we cannot catch a break. We are making all we. It felt like every decision we made was like probably the wrong one. Were you dwelling on the bad decisions too? Oh, yeah. Then so you yes, yeah. I was, I was, man, and. uh I, I like something I realized about myself is when things get really hard, I like to, I don't like to stop. And I don't like, I really f- was uncomfortable when it felt like the group, like the group was making me stop. Yeah. I, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I just want to, I, I like, I, in my head, I, I build this up to be something so big and I just want to get through it and I don't want to think about it anymore. So right halfway through like portaging over these stream beds and boulder hopping and just super lame. <laughs> um, they're like, hey, let's just break for lunch, and then, you know, we'll keep going. And I was like, no, <laughs> let's not break for lunch. Let's finish this portage, and then we'll have lunch. But everyone was, like, tired and hungry, and that was what the group wanted. And um, I just couldn't accept it at that time. And I, like, literally picked up a rock. I, like, threw it on. I felt like a little stu- like a little <laughs> kid. Threw it on. I threw it on. I was, like, smashing rocks. <laughs> and then after after a little bit i was like man that was like super immature like what what did yeah. i just do like man that was really lame and i just felt like i felt like ashamed of how i behaved and it was really awkward like cuz like they were preparing lunch and i was storming off throwing rocks on the ground <laughs> so when i got back i was like i was dude I, I felt i was like man i think i apologized right then yeah but shameful that was uh that was my i think that was my breakdown i didn't cry I was just like so frustrated and didn't know what to do. Like, didn't know had, what to had do. Had to do something. Had to start, do something. Start throwing rocks and. I mean, I guess it helped let it out a little bit. I yeah. wish I had. I wish I. I wish I could have just like been in that moment more. Um, just like say la vie. Like it is what it is. You have yeah. no control over like the good group consensus. Accept it. Have your lunch. Enjoy it, and then keep moving. Yeah. Whereas instead, I just. I, it's like I wasn't getting what I wanted, so I'm mad. <laughs> it happens man you know it, it, i think it happens to everyone i remember on the caribou river this summer there's <laughs> one point it was kind of the same thing there was a lot of because it was pretty shallow at the beginning of caribou river and you're kind of going and you're just pulling these boats up right like you know it's just like a boulder field with water in between but you can't really paddle it because it's too narrow but it's hard to portage because everything's overgrown on the sides and then it's a boulder garden so you're kind of like with a canoe on your shoulder hopping from one rock to another and in my head I'm like this is so sketchy I shouldn't have these kids be doing this but what other way is it around there and I think I sat there for like 20 minutes and I was like 
I told the kids I was scouting scouting what was up ahead. You know, I was just like, we stay right here for a moment. I I don't know what's going on. Let me get up there, take a look, assess the situation, figure it out. And I think I just sat there for five minutes, like, you know, like, what am I gonna do? And then Trip finally came up. And he was like, What are you doing? Dude, up what there? are you doing? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> And we finally, we, we got together and we talked about a plan and, and we kind of had a, to reassess a couple times, but, you know, we ended up getting through it and it was wow. what it was. But yeah, you know, you get into those situations where it's just like, you're, you know, you're where you're supposed to be, but none of your options are good. You know, mm. all, all the options yeah. aren't, aren't ideal options. So then how do you, how do you handle yeah, how do you, that? Yeah. Because I'm That's so interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm like the same way. I'm like, freak, like, I just want to, I see where we need to go right there is where there's water again, but we have, you know a good, you know, big stretch of boulder field up ahead mm. of us. But but how do I get to just right there? It's just wow. where I want to get. But know? maybe that pause was really important, right? That that taking a step back in the middle of a, a big decision yeah. and, like, thinking about it as opposed to, like, a reacting in that moment. Like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Initially, that's what I wanted. I just wanted – I just – but inside, I knew I I knew I had to pause and just take everything in. But yeah. inside, I just wanted to keep going and get through it, you mm. know, and just keep going, 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 going. Just, you know, the mentality of some trips. But, yeah, sometimes you need that pause to just take a step back, calm down, and, and figure everything out, you know. So you've been – you've led trips through the, the backcountry and, and the wilderness. Yeah. What is your philosophy on leadership? What makes a good leader? Oh, that's, that's a great question as well. Um, I don't know. On, on these trips, I really, I, I understand that I'm I'm the leader, and it weighs a lot on me. You know, just being on these trips and in the severity of you know, you're taking kids out to middle of nowhere Canada, and we're paddling around the canoes. You know, um, potentially dangerous stuff. I mean, that weighs on me, and I think about that constantly every day. But at the same time, I don't like to think, you know, at the end of the day, like my word is is God. You know, like that's what we have to do. I like to really have with each of my trip assistants like i want really good back and forth communication like if you don't feel comfortable with something like please let me know and like let's talk about it hash it out find the best solution you know i i feel like it's it's at the end of the day you know you're in charge but really making it a team effort as much as possible you know you do have to still be organized motivate the kids like do do all the stuff to make sure everyone's moving forward, but I, I want a lot of the decisions to be made between the trip and a, trip assistant and I yeah. on the same page. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be putting him in a position where he doesn't feel comfortable because I feel like that's when things go wrong. So open, honest communication—that's super yeah. important. And maybe not necessarily with the kids. I do like to keep the kids involved with you know my thought process, my decisions. Like I always ask, you know, any questions, comments, concerns, like I do want to hear from them. Um, but there are times when you definitely, you know, you, you withhold information just because you know that they're at a point where I, I wouldn't necessarily trust their opinion, you know, but I do trust that, that trip assistant out there with me because it's at the end of the day, it's, right. it's him and I in charge of these kids. And yeah, I want us to be on the same page. You can ask him, do you want peanut butter and jelly for lunch or summer sausage? Right? Yeah. Or there's, you know, there's times where I used to be, you know, the philosophy when you're out on a trip, because you've led a, a handful of trips yourself. Um, do you let the kids look at the map? Mm. Um, I'll set aside time at the end of the day if they want to do it. Um, and I know that I know that not all counselors have the same philosophy. I don't. I honestly don't think there's a right answer to that either. I I don't either. But I you know I think it's interesting. I because I used to be on. You don't. You know I know where we're going. Our trip assistant knows where we're going. 
You don't you, need to know. Yeah. But then I got on the thought process. Well, it's like, well, then I'm not teaching the kids anything. Yeah. You know, what if they are interested? I learned all my map and compass skills from Knowles. Um, when we were in the canyons, they put us in charge of, all right, you're going to pick out the route today and do all this. Granted, we were, we we're a little older than these kids are now. But it really gave me a solid understanding of, of using a map and compass. Totally. And then I thought by not allowing these kids to see the map, like I'm not giving them any skills for them to succeed had they wanted to come back up and be a counselor. Yeah. So it's a great outlook. Yeah. And then it started out with, um, kind of your, the way you do it is at the end of the day, anyone who wanted to look at the route, know where we went, try to figure out where we were before I told them, right. I would give them that opportunity. And then that kind of progressed too, as I started working with older kids, um, I would give them a map and compass and say, you know, if you want to follow along, you know, follow along. If you have any questions, let me know. I might not be in the situation to answer you, you know, all the time if you if you're having questions every 20 minutes, but try to figure it out throughout the day and then we can we can discuss yeah. at the end. But that like I also have the philosophy that I don't share, you know, what time it is all the time. Yeah. Because you'll always get that question, what time is it? You know, I think it's a cool opportunity to use the sun and like learn like okay. I, I, I that I like was the that. first time I ever really Started like you know you know not to stare at the sun but you, you like use it as a as a meter for like what if it's directly above you or, it's, yeah. it's gonna around noon if it's lower in the sky and it's like near dawn you know it's near the end of the day that's also west so if a, if a kid asks you what time it is you're gonna go on and and tell him you know I'm gonna explain how the sun works okay I'm gonna explain at twelve o'clock the sun will be directly over our heads. And this is your chance, you know, to try and use the sun as your guide. Um, Because that's how they had, that's how they did it in the, you know, the old days. Yeah. It's a cool skill. Um, You know, also that's where I learned on these trips, like the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Then you get a general bearing of of what direction you're going as well. And yeah, that's a, I I like, I've I've never heard of that way to to address a time issue before. Because sometimes I really don't like telling people what time it is, especially I feel like with the younger kids, especially right. that's that question you know, always comes up. They they ask it because they want to know how close are we to camp, you know, not right. or to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the the older kids, I started. I I think they're all kind of smart enough to know not to ask me what time it is in the yeah. first place. But then I will say we're at the end of the day and I'm at a decision point. Well, should we should we camp here or i know that there's another campsite up here it's probably going to be another hour i'm going to tell the kids what time it is what our options are engage their opinion to see you know if mentally they're all right to do another hour if that's going to like cause chaos you know like just having like drain them out you know put a dent in setting up our camp making dinner all that like if that's just gonna you know burn them out more or less why why don't you tell kids the the time like I'm wondering from like the campus perspective, it's like, why don't you just tell us what time it is? Because then it's all right. So say say you're a camper right now and you yeah. ask me what time it is. Let's let's call it 10:30 in the morning. Yeah, it's pretty early in the morning. You know, it's it's early in the morning. So then eventually you're gonna be like, all right, 10:30 was a while ago. I wonder if it's almost noon yet because then we're probably gonna have lunch around noon, and then after lunch we're probably only gonna paddle for a little bit. So like Zach, what time is it now? And then. You know, I tell you, it's it's like eleven fifteen. You're like, oh, now it's nowhere close to lunch. Yeah. We're, you know, it, I feel like it it sets them up to be disappointed. Mm. You know, you can like have an answer, and then they're going to be stoked that you know it's this time. But 
if it's not the time they're hoping or expecting, like, you know, that's a big, like, uh, disappointment. Yeah. And then they're dragging on paddling and they're yeah. just, they're obsessing over the time when they should be looking, you know, maybe looking up at the sun, like you said, and trying to figure out. And then by doing that whole process of looking up at the sun and trying to figure out what time it is in your head and then oh, yeah. creating those thoughts, then, you know, an hour flies by and it feels like five minutes, you know, right. and that's, that's when the trip starts to become, I think, more enjoyable enjoyable and i think there's also you know you're in a beautiful position to not worry about how far you need to go and what time it is and and like all these other little minute details for navigational purposes it's like yeah let let you be in charge of that the just, counselor and then the I, kid soak everything dude in and, i love to it. sit back and and not navigate i don't i don't honestly when i'm canoeing i don't like to navigate yeah you i just like, like to paddle and i like to paddle and be able to let my mind wander wherever it wants to go do you do you talk to your bowman in your boat fairly frequently when you when you paddle? Generally, and I, I know I had that reputation. Uh but I'm just, you know, I think I'm just generally like a curious person and um they describe me as inquisitive. So yeah. I think I just have a tendency to ask a lot of questions. But yeah, I would ask them a lot of questions. There were times where it was like I probably shouldn't ask a question, especially yeah. in the morning. That's kind of that was like that first paddle of the day. It's kind of like a sacred time. Yeah, everything's quiet. The water's still. That sun's just poking out, and you're everyone's kind of. I don't know. Are you thoughts a little bit? Are you a morning person at all? Not by nature, but um, you know, on, on a lot of canoe trips, you kind of you're kind of forced to become one because yeah. you got to wake up, you know, fairly early to get the day going. Um, That's another reason I don't like telling the time because it's like you know, what time are we waking up in the morning? And you you tell the kid. Oh, I'm gonna wake up at 4:45, and and to a kid that blow, they're like, yeah, that's so that's, early. Yeah, yeah. Why we don't need to do that? Yeah, but yeah, as you know, as a counselor, you know, it's all right. So I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna get the fire going. I'm gonna yeah. do all this stuff. I'm probably gonna wake the kids up now at like 5:30, um, with the goal to be on the water at like 6:30. And dude, I, I've screwed that up. I was on. I, I was leading trips down the Allen Water. Yeah. Um, Mick and I were, and uh, dude, I was. We were waking up at like eight o'clock. Oh um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, like that's super late. late. And then, dude, we like to reach our goals. We were getting into camp like at dark. I remember there's one night where we, you know, I was a young counselor too. Yeah. I, I think over the years, like generally, you know, you gain more wisdom, you gain these experiences, and you can become a better counselor. But at that time, I was, I was not. A, I don't think I was a great trip head. Um, for for this reason, like we would get to camp, and um, one night it was so late. I was, we were just quickly trying to make some mac and cheese. And uh, one kid like walked on the, you know, you're not supposed to walk behind the fireplace or go near it. Yeah. One camper walked near it and uh, bumped the pot of water that was just oh. about boiling over. And at that point, it was too late to get another, try and do more mac and cheese, like try and yeah. get another pot going. So I was like, all right, granola bars. We, we all had two granola bars wow. for dinner. Dang, and it was just like, dude, I, that like that was not the way to run the trip. No, we should have been up a lot earlier. I should have been waking up. Still, is the hardest part about each trip for me, just because you're, you know, you're gas from the day before, you know, and and these turn into long days. And uh, I mean, we're still getting to bed fairly early because you know times it's different because you know you stop paddling before the sun goes down. And you try to get everyone in bed as quickly as possible so you can wake up in the morning and have the most light for the day. Um, but that waking up and it's, you're so snug and cozy in your sleeping bag and it's cold outside and you're like groggy. And, uh, it's, it's the hardest part for me is just waking up each day. Oh, but then yeah. once you, once you're up, once you do that initial uncomfortable, 
let's sit up, get oh out of my sleeping bag, yeah. like put oh, on all God. my clothes and and like get outside and make a fire. Dude, uh, it's that first, it's that first like yeah. pulling yourself out of that. Oh, it's so warm. That sleeping bag is so warm and the air outside is so cold. Yeah. Like, that first decision to like throw that get sleeping up. bag off is that's when I think you're like, you know, your instinct starts to kick in if you yeah. have an instinct at that point. Yeah. But that's when that's to me that's the hardest part of each day. And then, you know, once you're past that yeah, five, ten I minutes agree. of uncomfortableness, then you're just up and moving, you know. And dude, wet socks, how do you cope with that? Putting on wet socks and when it's cold in the tent. That's hard. That's hard. You know, that's that's part of the day. But I've as soon as you put those wet socks on in 30 seconds, it's not gonna be bad. You know, it's right. it's that mentality. It's like, all right, it's gonna be bad for like five seconds and then I'm just wearing socks again. It'll warm up a little bit. Um, here's an interesting question for you. I don't know how. I, I think I was talking to some people about this this past summer. Have you ever heard the myth that if you have wet socks, to put them in your sleeping bag to dry them out? Oh, yeah. Put them at the bottom of the sleeping bag. I have heard that. I've done that. And it doesn't work because it's not. it makes no sense. But you hear it as a kid and you think, you know, like that's what you're supposed to do. But I don't know. We were trying to to figure out where that got started because it's pretty terrible advice. Yeah, dude, I've done some gr- – like I've slept on top of socks, you know, put them yeah. under the sleeping bag, put them at the bottom, put them like right under my, you know, butt where I lay. Yeah, it warms them up It a does bit. warm them up. But then it gets every – your sleeping your bag – Your sleeping bag becomes this disgusting cesspool of yeah, just nasty – Yeah, and they, they never dry out. You know, they're still going to be wet. They yeah. just might be a little just, warmer. Yeah, dude, it's – yeah, it's – I don't recommend it. No. Just – yeah. There is, because I'll, I'll bring a few pairs of socks on trip, three pairs of socks. Yeah. And uh, it's always it's always an interesting decision when it's time to break the next pair of socks out. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the times you want to do it pretty, you know, you have a couple cold mornings and you're like, I'm kind of over this, that fresh pair of socks, putting those on is like oh, the best so feeling nice. in the world. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to pick when those moments are. Yeah, how do you do it? Do you do you wait for like a certain day, like that you're like, all right, I'm not doing this till day five. I yeah, or I'll I'll kind of know. It's like if the day before, like you know, if it's if it started, it's been cold the past couple of days. I have a feeling today's gonna be a warm day. Today's gonna be a cold, good day, which is all based off gut. I have nothing telling me outside. I don't have any device with me telling right. me the weather. I'm just like, I think I think today's gonna today's be a good, the day. yeah a good day. <sighs> Where I can hopefully dry out my old pair of socks on top of the again all day or like, you know, Smart. on top of the back of the backpack. And that way I, I gain a pair of like dry, fresh socks. Right. So I, I try to wait for days where I think it's going to be a good day to dry my old pair of socks mm, out. That's smart. Um, Have you ever had a canoe trip or been on one where it just rained every day? Yeah. I forget. I, there was one that was pretty bad. I think… I, I don't remember specifically all my canoe trips from when I was a camper kind of blend into just this big one long canoe trip. I know some people are really good at being like, I went on this trip, this trip, this trip, this trip. This is what happened for each trip. But for me, when and I can do that now as a counselor, just because it's very fresh in my memory and mind, and and you know I'm much more active in the process of planning and mapping out where we're going and and having all those details. But as a kid. You know, everything looks the same kind of when you're up in, in Canada, which isn't true because it's it's a vastly different landscape to each place you go. But in your mind, you're like, you know, this is we're in Canada now, everything's the same. So they all kind of just blend into one big long trip. 
Mm. Which I find interesting. I don't know if you... I have that same experience. It's hard for me to distinguish between trips. Yeah. I mean, I've done some trips more than others. So like the Allen Water, I've done that several times. And like, I'm pretty familiar with what that looks like. But, you know, talk about Trout River. Yeah. I haven't really been an intermediate counselor, but I've done the blood vein twice as an intermediate. Yeah, the blood vein, I think I did twice as an intermediate, bled it two times as staff. That's a great route. I mean, what do you think about that? What's fantastic. Which route did you do? Did you do so the, uh, as as a camper, I did the northern route twice. That's the cha- more challenging one, right? Yeah, the, I would say out of the three. So you have the southern, which I've never done, the middle, and then the northern. And um, these routes are just distinguished by where the start what the starting point is. Yeah, where yeah, where we're putting in. Right. Um I was I was actually um um Chris Martella's friend, um, Kyle, the other day, we were going over because he had done the blood vein. And I was actually just going over. We brought up uh, Google Google Maps or, or whatever and did the satellite. And we we're showing yeah, yeah. where everyone put in because he did. He worked at Voyagers and they put in an entirely different spot. Mm. And then I was kind of going over our routes with him. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's I, I kind of like changing up. I think my second year staff when I was doing the blood vein again, I was pushing for – well, let's try out the middle route. We've been doing the northern route. Like, I did the northern route two times at camper, one time as a staff. Like, I would like to change it up. Just for me, I would I would want to do all the different options out there. And uh, it got changed a little bit with how the roads are structured nowadays up there. We stopped doing it for a while because we lost our put-in spot. Um, we found a new one. It was a real bumpy road getting down there. I think Q was driving, and, and uh, it was a little rough, um, a little, you know, just – bumping up and down and then portage into the put in. Um, but it ended up being a great route. You know, I, I really enjoyed it, but that, that Northern route, I would say was the better route, you know, just it's, it's a little bit harder, a little it's bit, a little more. bit harder because there's like endless beaver streams in the first few days. Yeah. That first day, um, you go in, I forget what the lake's called, but you paddle that lake and then you immediately go into like a beaver stream. Day you, two. Can you explain a beaver stream? Beaver stream is, um, it's like a bunch of reeds around you and it's, it's like kind of like a little Creek. There's, there's not much flow to it. You know, there can be at times, but you know, you're just kind of paddling up this little twisty turning. You're going every which way they just kind of zigzag back and forth up and down every which way. Um, and they're generally pretty shallow or have logs across, you know, some obstacles you can run into. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of the same scenery you know, and it's very easy to get lost if it starts yes. to twist off in different ways because everything looks the same. Very marshy, lots of reeds. They call it a beaver stream because a lot of beavers build dams on it and they clog up the waterway. And uh, it has a very dis- distinct smell. And the water generally is pretty, bun- you know, mungy. You don't want to yeah. drink that water. No, and it's it's hard to tell, too, where you're at. I mean, if you see on a map, it's hard to tell where you are in a beaver stream because within, you know— a, a 10 minute stretch of paddling you can go north south east west every which direction yeah. and then it's hard to tell where those turns are on the right. map you can yeah. miss it super easily um but that one's pretty there, there's a very good log for it there's one point where you would get lost but i think it's pretty well blazed and there's like a very good description of of mm-hmm. where you want to go left but yeah you take that into valhalla and then it's you know the first five six days Getting to artery um, can be a little challenging. Some big lakes, beaver streams, headwinds, you know, you name it. But 
it is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous area of land. Um, love that trip, man. Yeah. Love that cliff chomp. Love all the pictographs. Yeah. So it's, it's a sweet trip. It's a classic. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, one of the most classic uh, routes we do. Um, we've been doing it for years, and, and I'm assuming we're going to keep doing it for years. Have you ever done the English River? I did as a camper. Um, but I, you know... I have a very good memory of playing werewolf after, you know, the morning we were waiting for the bus at the takeout. Like, that's my memory from the English River. I don't really remember much of the... The, the river itself. Yeah. I just I, remember I, playing yeah. a game of werewolf. Oh, man. Yeah. I actually never did the English. Really? Yeah. yeah. What about as a, as a counselor? No, I've never done it. I would love to do the English. I've been I've been on the turtle. I did yeah. the turtle as a junior, and I've led the Allen Water. Those are the extent of my junior trips. Interesting. Besides well, maybe, like backpacking trip I did one year. Maybe uh, now that uh, you're picking the routes for everyone, you can, <laughs> you can swing a little something yeah, your swing way. Yeah, swing a little yeah. English. Yeah, I would love to. That'd be really exciting. The turtle's cool too. Um, we had kind of a little disaster at the end of our trip. Yeah. With uh, like we were loading the, so on the turtle from how I remember it, you're on the top of this hill and the bus is like, We've got their emergency brakes on, and they're like, "There's a there's a rack for all the canoes in the back, and the bus is on the top of this hill." So I, we're all loading up our gear. Kids are getting on the bus. I'm like bungee cording the canoe down, and uh, all of a sudden the the bus starts rolling backwards. And like my instinct is like, I put I put my hands up, I'm like trying to stop the <laughs> stop bus. The bus from coming. Yeah, in. and then all of a sudden I'm like, "All right, that's not going to do." I step to the side, and I see our bus driver. I think it was Dutch. He like yeah. falls off the bus. Oh. And all of a sudden, the bus, is, the bus is, like, picking up speed, rolling down this hill. Patrick Conmore, like, like the six-foot-six guy, yeah. like, sprints onto the bus and, like, gets into the passenger seat. He's, like, working the emergency brake and, like, working all, the, working all the gears, like, just shifting it and trying to do everything he can, not stopping. Well, the bus ended up slamming into a bridge at the bottom of this hill Oof. and jackknives with the, with, the, with the canoe rack. And the jackknife is what saved the bus from going into that river. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because that stopped. It just yeah. The, That's I guess why the I, just I, I've never heard that story before. Either. Oh, yeah. it is so nuts, dude. And on that same trip, we this is my first canoe trip in my life. Yeah. On that same trip, we had to get a kid evac for like an appendicitis. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and uh, we're all like, our all of our hands are in our hair. We're like, what the heck is going on? Like, what are we gonna do? That's our bus. <laughs> and lo and behold, this is Canada for you. Like within like thirty minutes, or like some like like perfectly suitable machine like pulls up. It was like a huge tractor with like the perfect equipment to like fix. Like, and well, it just it looks so, like you boys are. A oh, it looks stuck like out. you boys are in a little trouble. And yeah. it like turns out our bus driver like knows the guy yeah. driving this. We're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, Dutch, is that you? Oh, Dutch. Yeah, right. So this guy like fixes the you know pulls pulls the trailer out, like compresses it down so it's like fitting again and not like split in half and like within like two hours like we're on the road again back wow. to camp with a broken canoe and everyone no one got injured it was it's amazing wild. yeah Dang. yeah there's uh huge canoe trips man huge canoe trips there's stories for days there is they're great though man it's really i, I am gonna miss it this summer that's you know that's for sure yeah man um yeah. But you'll be kayaking. You'll be getting after it. You'll be yeah. I'm, I am. I am super excited to learn and uh, learn how to kayak and and uh, 
very happy Jessup's out here and, and willing to show some ropes. I know uh, Axel's trying to learn with me as well. Oh, sick. And then Paul Beach and I were talking the other day because I guess he's not going down to uh, Dominican Republic anymore. Um, was that his plan for the summer? I think, I think it was the DR. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was applying. I forget what it was specifically, but to something out there. And, and then with this whole uh, uh, COVID-19, it's it's kind of falling apart. So now he's picturing that he's going to be here this summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, and wants to give the kayak a shot as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully things don't get too disrupted this summer. No, I, so so long as we can still get outside, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. If they start yeah, locking people in houses, you know, right? Then, that's then it. We it's have like, a whole different. Yeah, we have coverage. a whole new, yeah, yeah, whole new deal. And well, Charlie, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me, Zach. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of similar experiences just in the outdoors and. Uh, one day, hopefully, I'll get to do a Knowles trip. That sounds really cool. Dude. Yeah, definitely check it out. I I highly recommend it to anyone. So, uh, yeah, if anyone out there is interested in doing Knowles, definitely give it a, a, a look up, and I would highly recommend. Oh, yeah, well, that's been another episode of In the Area Podcast. Here with Charlie Barnes, one of my dear friends in uh, Vail, Colorado, recording live. If you did enjoy the episode, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll catch you again later on In the Area Podcast. Peace out.